We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This week, we're going to deep dive into vulnerability. Vulnerability is defined as the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally, which I think we've all (laughs) felt before, mainly uh, emotionally. So there's a lot of situations where it makes us nervous to be fully ourselves or transparent with people. And I think everyone can relate to that. Yep. And the reason I wanted to talk about this too is that I'm in a transitional period in my life with like switching job titles and I think all of us especially um, as now we are in quarantine for the COVID virus a lot of people are in survival mode and I think when you're like trying really really hard to just survive and feel safe it's easy to kind of close up emotionally and not be vulnerable in other aspects of your life Mm -hmm. so it's definitely a prevalent topic right now and It is branching out a little bit from what we normally do, but it's something that we saw pretty heavily in our own lives right now and definitely wanted to to duke it out and talk about why it (laughs) exists and why we have to struggle with it all the stinking time and everything it relates to. Yeah, I would say it's a topic that's kind of near and dear to our hearts. I know I've struggled with this a lot. And so um, one thing that's mentioned at least a little bit in, um, I guess I should say, kind of our like point of reference a lot was the book Daring Greatly by Dr. Um, Brene Brown. Yes. And so um, I know she's done like interviews with I think like Oprah and yeah. a bunch of other she important like a famous, famous TED people. talk and she's an yeah. author of other books and all these things. Yeah. And so she's done a lot of studies on vulnerability. And so one thing she talks about in her book is just kind of, you know, the idea of perfectionist. And that's kind of something that I struggle with is wanting things to be perfect, wanting to do things right the first time, not wanting to, I guess, kind of the idea of not wanting people to see that you're struggling kind of thing. And Mm so um, I know this book was actually recommended to me by a therapist a while back. And so Hmm. I still haven't read all of it, but I've read some of it and (laughs) it's really good. Yeah. And um, this was the one thing I wanted to talk about with you on the podcast is I think I maybe told you about this in the past, but I had just started my first corporate like internship and I was like sitting at my desk Mm -hmm. and I had gotten used to listening to podcasts and I started listening to the Oprah Super Soul um, Sunday podcast and it was the one where she interviewed Dr. Brene Brown about this book Darren Greatly okay and I legit had to like go up and go to the bathroom so I like didn't sit and cry at my desk because I don't think up until I heard Brene Brown, like this was before I knew about the book. So it was a podcast about the book. Yeah. (laughs) Before then, I had not been taught about what emotional vulnerability was. I think I grew up with a stay-at-home dad. And so I always knew there was like physical vulnerabilities of like danger and bad guys. Because when you think of, especially the definition of like being physically vulnerable, I think of like animals running in a field by themselves without their pack kind of thing like you are exposed to danger yeah and I think all of us kind of have that fight or flight and kind of that Mm -hmm. natural instinct to know that type of vulnerability right away but the emotional kind I had genuinely never had like words defined to the actions that I was doing when I was Hmm. closed up And I think for me, it takes me a while to like transition and changes and like wrap my mind around why I'm there. And I'm a very philosophical person and I overthink lots of things. And so I tend to like close up first and then try to learn as much as I can before I speak up or try to be vulnerable or express Mm -hmm. who I am because I really like to read the situation first. But then I get stuck in a pattern of never being vulnerable and always being like that fly on the wall type of thing well and i think especially since we're both introverts our instinct is to be quiet and listen and wait and learn about the situation before we jump into it and potentially sound real dumb yep and so that's our instinct is to be that listener and just kind of sit back and Mm -hmm. hold back and it's not always the right thing to do yeah it's a big deal and so the way she talked about it in the podcast this quote that is very important in my own life that reminds me to you know, 
exert myself or expose myself emotionally and try to be vulnerable is this quote from her book, but it's a famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Um, I guess he made this speech in April 23rd of 1910 um, in Paris, France. And the speech is called The Man in the Arena, but I mean, interchangeable man, woman, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to read it for us. So it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms and great devotions, who spends himself in worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Mm. It's been a very long time since I started this book. Yeah. And I've started reading it again from where I was. And I didn't realize or I guess forgot that that's where the title comes from. Yeah. And so when that quote was read, I was like, oh, my God. And it could have been because I used to be a fine arts student and I was always in the design <laughs> Critiques world. were very uh, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, and there's a difference, and we talk, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, I think, where there's a difference between a critique with, like, constructive criticism yeah. and then being... And straight up just <laughs> criticizing other people yeah, for like, the sake of doing it. Yep, and so I think it is something that I was kind of... I had trained into me up at that point to accept criticism, like, mm-hmm. on the chin and just, like, not fight it because Mm. one thing that you learn in art school and I guess maybe this is the first type of vulnerability that we could open up the can of worms to is like trying to get a formal education like in college Mm. and what vulnerabilities tie into that and for me um, my worldview going into college was from a really small town in Idaho (laughs) and so I really didn't have much world perspective or like a worldview at all as far as like other cultures and beliefs and like I didn't even know the definition of feminism beyond like that's what crazy women do when Hmm. they're mad at men because I came from (laughs) such a small town so many people outwardly expressed that that I had never heard what feminism actually was Hmm. or um just like meeting other religions and all those sorts of things where I had all of that coming at me while also trying to like get formally educated in something I had no experience in. Like my, I mean, we all know most high schools, and I was from a pretty small town, it's a pretty common core education of math, science, literature, whatever. And then you go into college and it's like, okay, now a very specific thing you need to get very, very good at very quickly and be like well, an expert in it. And a lot of times they say like, oh, and you should have learned this in high school. Yep. Mm, nope, nope, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I think... There's this swirling environment. It's so easy to get caught up in shame and not Mm -hmm. being vulnerable and like closing yourself down to exposing the fact that, wait, I don't know that thing from high school or wait, I've never met someone from that religion. How do I, how is okay to speak to them? Yeah. Like, um, I don't know what a feminist is. Am I one or do I not like them or mm-hmm. should I distance myself or something like yeah. that? It's so hard to have all that coming at you at once mm-hmm. and then also try to remember to be vulnerable and like be just like your friendly open self because I always was like I was never against anybody or like had decided for myself that a certain group was bad or good. Yeah. But like coming to college it made it really hard to have the confidence knowing like wait a sec I am actually a good person who is worthy of talking to people and to opening myself up to someone and asking appropriate questions when need be and I just got caught up in never doing it and it was well, easier to not yeah and I think one thing that now that you're saying that that I'm thinking about is so growing up we don't really have that much exposure to like being vulnerable and being like yeah sure you're judged a little and you have embarrassing moments and things like that in like elementary and middle school like you're going to be embarrassed about something you did but once you're in high school you start being more actively judged on like 
life choices yeah about whether or not you work in high school or choose to drive like those are like the starts of it yep and then it's about whether or not you choose to go to college and if you do what school and what are you majoring in and that's when it never stops and then oh are you working are you not are you did you get a good job after college (laughs) and then what are you doing and how much money are you making and what kind of car do you drive and so you're I think just like from high school on, it's just constant like being judged and feeling like you have to make the right decision, not even for yourself, but for others. Yep. And I think some people probably never fully cope with that. And a lot of people like I hadn't really even thought of it that way until right now. So I think it's just part of life, but that doesn't make it a good thing. Yeah, it's it's just hard to snap out of it. Mm -hmm. And after like going like reading through pieces of the book and as we mentioned before we haven't read the book cover to cover but we definitely have have We've drawn to from multiple it. podcasts about <laughs> the book or from yeah, the concepts Brown or yeah yeah it's definitely a hot topic over the last handful of years yes say. and it's helpful and the main takeaway for me is that vulnerability and shame and like just like embracing that those exist needs to be a constant present thought Mm -hmm. in your life like of course it's not possible to be like okay need to be vulnerable you need to be vulnerable every second of every day Mm -hmm. but like if like every other day you remind yourself or just like in the morning like lately since I've started a new job every morning I have like a roughly 30 minute commute to work and I sit in silence and I think about how like kind of like a meditation like how I am worthy of being open Mm -hmm. And how I shouldn't be afraid to talk about who I am or what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because I am a good person. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) And I shouldn't be afraid of like saying, oh, yeah, this week I had a margarita and it was really fun. Or just like being a a happy, nice person and there's nothing to be ashamed of and Mm -hmm. trying to take pride at work and all that. It's easy to be open about the things you're proud of. Yeah. It's the things that you maybe do have some source of shame about whether you're nervous about other people's perspectives of it or it's maybe not the most common thing to do or say and so there's a lot of there's a lot of areas of shame and so in this book there's actually a list of um what she says are the 12 shame categories that she's found from her research and based on the conversations we've had i'd say it (laughs) touches on everything we've talked about related to it so brutal yeah so the list is appearance and body image money and work motherhood and fatherhood family parenting mental and physical health addiction sex aging religion surviving trauma and being stereotyped or labeled oof (laughs) that makes you think about every single thing in your life yeah. But it's true. When you think of the things that you feel shame about or that you're nervous to talk about with other people, there's a good chance it's on that list in some form or another. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> I mean, and I feel like they're all interconnected too. Like, I, I suppose the only one that I don't feel totally emotionally attached to yet is how I'll be a mom or how mothering yeah. and fathering is going to happen in my home someday. Yeah, we don't have that specific perspective for ourselves, but we know how we were parented. Yep. And we have that perspective mm-hmm. of family and parent relationships. Yeah, it's it's a deep subject. And I think, like, for example, let's say we're talking about school. The things that are attached with that and shame could be your appearance. Maybe you're not afraid to speak up in class because you feel like your hair is frizzy that day. Or maybe since you're not wearing Hollister jeans or, I mean, that's what it was when I was in high school. I don't know what it is. Gucci slides in class, people won't take you seriously. Or if maybe people know your parents' reputation, they'll treat you differently. Or they know you're a virgin, so they'll treat you like a loser or whatever. All of these shame categories can, can continually swirl and affect why you're choosing to not be vulnerable yeah and it's scary it is and then looking at so another point she makes in the book that i thought was a good thing to touch on is that 
There is a difference between shame, guilt, humiliation, and embarrassment, which I tend to think of those all as synonyms, but they they are a little bit different. Yep. And so um, she defines the difference between uh, guilt and shame is guilt is saying I did something bad. Shame is saying I am bad. And so it's kind of internalizing that feeling. And so I know you and I have been in situations (laughs) where I say like, I'm such an idiot (laughs) or something and kind of that internalizing it. And so, but there's a difference between like saying I did something bad and I am bad. Yeah. And then uh, humiliation is people believe they deserve their shame. They don't believe they deserve humiliation. And so the difference is like the self-talk you might experience is saying, uh, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. That's shame. Whereas if you say like, if you get criticized at work and you say, my boss is out of control. This is ridiculous. I don't deserve that. That's humiliation. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, she says embarrassment is the least serious of the four emotions. It's normally fleeting and can eventually be funny. Um, (laughs) It's something where we don't feel alone. Yeah. So those are kind of the the differences between the four. Because I have a hard time separating like, oh, that embarrassing thing doesn't (laughs) necessarily mean it's a point of shame. Yeah. It's the difference between the time when I crashed my bike in front of a lot of people where I didn't say, wow, I'm an idiot who Mm -hmm. cannot ride a bike. I thought to myself... I hit a curb funny and didn't know how to react and I crashed and yeah. now I look back and I laugh all the time about how stupid I probably looked when I just laid my bike over in slow-mo <laughs> in front of a whole bunch of people. Yeah. That's the difference. It was not me being a stupid person and I am not stupid. It is I messed up that one time and hit a curb and fell. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on with shame and this I, I know you and I have talked about ahead of time but the difference between shame in men and shame in women and the way they experience it differently like i expected like oh yeah it's probably a little different but it's probably generally the same no it's different and once i read it i could see all of these patterns in like my life and the people i know and so um she compares shame in women to a web and it kind of is things like looking perfect being judged on parenting the choices you make things along those lines and i mean as a women a woman i can totally relate and yep. i know how that is but i was a little bit more actually interested in the shame that men feel because i don't experience that but yep. once she explained it i felt like it made a ton of sense So I'll read through a list of just some examples of what shame is or feels like to men. And so um, it says shame is failure at work, on the football field, in our marriage, in bed, with money, with your children. It doesn't matter. Shame is failure. Shame is being wrong. Not doing it wrong, but being wrong. Shame is a sense of being defective. Shame is what happens when you think you're soft. It's degrading and shaming to be seen as anything but tough. Revealing any weakness is shaming. Basically, shame is weakness. Shame is being seen as the guy you can shove up against the lockers. Our worst fear is being criticized or ridiculed. Either one of those is extremely shameful. And then she touches on, for men, oftentimes the way they see shame or the way they, I guess, react to shame is being pissed off or shut down. Which I can see in like every man I know (laughs) is... A lot of times their instinct is to either get upset about it and like fight back and argue why they, you know, did what they did or whatever it may be. They they get frustrated. They get upset. Or the opposite is being shut down. They don't want to talk about it. You know, they just want to get it over with. They don't want to dwell on it kind of thing. And And I think for women, so the reason, it's not that women don't experience failure or maybe Mm -hmm. shutting down or getting angry, but I think in our society, it's much more comfortable for women to like dive into their more like emotional side and express Mm -hmm. their feelings in a way where they're like, I'm really sad or maybe I'm really hormonal or something and I think I misspoke or did something wrong and I am ashamed of it but also I can talk through it with my girlfriends about how I emotionally acted on something and Mm -hmm. and hopefully you know they're not categorizing it as a a failure and they're able to talk through it a little bit more just because our society is more open to it. And if a man does that, he's a big baby. Well, yeah, and that's just it, is that 
in society, it is expected that men are tough. Yep. They're, if, if a burglar breaks into your house, the man's going to go confront him and save the day. Men don't cry as much, typically, I would say. And, yep. like, there's all kinds of things in media about, like, whether or not it's okay for men to cry and, like, boys being taught at a very young age, like, men don't cry, men are tough, men don't talk about their feelings. And that's really sad to me. Because I think it does make it really hard to be vulnerable and open up. And especially if you think that you won't be seen as tough anymore, that is a big deal. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're trying to be the tough protector, the man of the house for your family and your wife. You don't want to be seen as weak or not able to follow through and do that for them. Yeah. Whereas women are (laughs) always being categorized as emotional. So it's not a big deal the wall isn't hard as hard to break exactly (laughs) we're just living up to our expectations yeah we're not breaking them yeah yeah and before we read the book like our insight into that was a lot less like Mm -hmm. of course we've seen the patterns and we'd always been curious why male figures in our lives had acted certain ways or responded to different situations by being like closed up Mm -hmm. um and it is interesting to see that insight where The vulnerability is showing the emotion Mm -hmm. and proving that, you know, you don't have to be some beefy macho man to, like, punch away your problems. (laughs) You're just going to cry them away today instead. So hopefully by keeping vulnerability in the forefront of our minds, like I said, trying to be present with the fact that it doesn't go away and it exists for everybody and you continue with that, like, in, let's say, a marriage or maybe a relationship with a father or brother where that that could be a response mechanism, like always understanding their perspective mm-hmm. to give them some grace to be vulnerable if that ever does happen rather yeah. than identifying them as a wimp or whatever. <laughs> well, and it can be hard because, of course, we only know our perspective and that's what we've lived with. And a lot of it falls into the way we were raised or the friendships we've had or different things. And so trying to especially like have a deep conversation with someone who – isn't used to being in that situation and maybe who isn't used to talking about their feelings and things it can be really hard and it can be I mean it can be frustrating to try and get on the same page as other people but it's just so ingrained in us the way we were raised and the way we talk about or don't talk about feelings and it's it's a heavy thing it is but it's so important yeah and a lot of it ties into like emotional intelligence and being able to just really communicate with other people and have those conversations and I think the more you can have those conversations the better it is for especially like I think in a relationship is probably one of the most important I mean we aren't parents so that's probably more important but um, (laughs) yeah but those are probably going to be the most important of those conversations and those things that you have and so part of it is learning how to have those conversations and how to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. the people that are most important in your life and that you're closest to but also especially if you are planning to be a parent it's important to understand the long-term effects that can have on someone's life and also well why yeah (laughs) it matters because Between you and I and our husbands and other people we've known, we've seen and experienced a lot of different types of shame or I would even say, yeah, trauma um, in our lives. And so seeing how that can affect the way you communicate for the rest of your life, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stems from childhood. Actually, my like, whoa moment was thinking about how I don't know if anybody else in the world can relate to this, but for me, when I moved into my own home, so I'm not talking like an apartment where like let's say your sink breaks and you know like a landlord will eventually come to help you if Mm -hmm. you're in the right living situation. Well, when I first bought a trailer house we were living in, it had quite a few like problems here and there that we had to like figure out how to solve and I also didn't feel like it like could lock up very safe with like kind of rickety windows. And <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like I was living in a decrepit shack, but still like compared to the houses I had been raised in, mm-hmm. I definitely felt more vulnerable. And I think something that I have taken away from that is that I wish somehow I could have understood more. And I'm not going to blame my parents because I don't know for sure if they tried to be open about some of these things or not. But like 
parents being upfront with the the vulnerabilities that owning a home could have or mm-hmm. going out into the world rather than a lot of the time I think um, if you're fortunate enough, your parents can solve the problems in your household for you without being vulnerable about how scared they were. Yeah. Like let's say your house could be like on the brink of like starting on fire or like about to flood or something's happening where maybe they can fix it right away but they don't choose to tell their children about it and within reason of course you're not going to tell like a five-year-old house almost started on fire I want to scare you and I put it out it's no big deal but like maybe when they're getting older and like can mentally handle those Mm -hmm. types of situations where you talk about how this is a situation that happened it really scared me and I wanted to tell you because I want to be vulnerable about how this happened and could happen in anybody's life and we're fortunate that it didn't happen but also you know it was scary for me Mm -hmm. and it is a very real aspect of life and that might be something you're exposed to and I want to tell you how I learned and handled it Mm -hmm. rather than like the parent just like choosing to have that pride and that ego of like being the superhero who's just like yeah I pay for everything around this house I fix the sink and I put out all the fires and I like handle all the business around this Mm -hmm. house and then they don't say why they're doing those things or protecting their families or any of those things because when you move out I mean I was like how is this all gonna happen and it wasn't out of privilege it was just the sheer like if a tree falls on my house, I guess I'm sleeping in an open air <laughs> house with a giant hole in it. Well, and I think that's an important thing is that when kids are getting older to help them understand what it even means to be an adult and to work through things and to let them know that it is scary and it is hard and that the good thing is that you have someone in your life that's been through it and can help you out and an important part of vulnerability is that when you're vulnerable, other people tend to be vulnerable with you mm-hmm. and then you realize you're not alone. Yep. Because it can be so isolating to feel like you're the only one who's ever felt this scared or this embarrassed or anxious or depressed. And then if you're vulnerable and you have those types of conversations and you realize that you're not alone, other people open up to you and it's really important to realize that other people struggle with the same things you do. Mm -hmm. There's actually a section from the book that I found about that specifically. It says, when we stop caring about what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. But when we become defined by what people think, we lose our willingness to be vulnerable. So it's if we dismiss all the criticism, we lose out on the important feedback. But if we subject ourselves to the hatefulness, our spirits get crushed. Mm-hmm. It's a tightrope. Shame resilience is the balance bar. And the safety net below is the one or two people in our lives who can help us reality check the criticism and cynicism. Hmm. That's interesting. And that actually compares to another example that she gave related to shame was tied to her example was she got a nasty email and so she forwarded it to her husband with a very honest like message about what she thought and how like more or less probably the guy was an idiot and how dare he and kind of that sort of thing and instead of forwarding it to him she to her husband she accidentally replied to the person and said Ah. all those terrible things directly (laughs) to him and I read that and I was cringing the whole time like oh that's so terrible I can't believe it but I can also think of times in my life where I haven't done that but like various things where like you sent something to the wrong person or you said something that you didn't mean for someone to hear and they did or whatever it may be but My instinct when things like that happen is, okay, I'm going to lock that away and pretend it never (laughs) happened. Yeah. (laughs) But she explains that what she did in that situation was she called her husband and she called her best friend and talked about it with both of them. And they were able to empathize and talk through it with her. And like her friend was able to make her laugh about it. And her husband was able to really empathize and be like, wow, I'm sorry. That's Mm -hmm. terrible. I've done that in this way. And I, this was my experience And those are so important. And it made me real, like, I could think of a handful of things where it's like, 
hmm, I've never talked about that because I never wanted to admit it happened to anyone. Yep. Not even the people I'm close to. And if I was just real with people, I would realize I'm not alone and it's over and it happened and I can't do anything to make it unhappen. Yeah. But that empathy could have been really helpful to me at that time and it might have made it less awful for less long. Yep. So I know I struggle with that because I don't want people to know how much of an idiot I feel like sometimes. (laughs) But I think that empathy is such a key piece of it because it's terrible to feel alone in the world or to feel like people can't relate to you. And the world is big and vast and as every kind of person and it's almost impossible that you're the only one that's ever felt a certain way for example one thing that i've seen with that and one of my biggest roadblocks with vulnerability is when someone assumes my intentions without Mm -hmm. allowing me the openness to explain why i did something Mm -hmm. for example like i mean in that brene brown email like If it's a professional thing, maybe she should reach out to the person she sent that email to to, like, apologize or whatever the heck. But there's been some scenarios where I've taken action on something, whether, I mean, at work, where I've taken a risk or something where I feel like I made an educated decision on something based Mm -hmm. on, I'm like, okay, I have enough experience with my job that I am going to make X decision for myself in what I'm doing right now, whether it's sending an email or completing a task or process or something and then it turns out you did it wrong but Mm -hmm. when you did it you didn't realize it was wrong but then when like a person from like your team or someone else notices oh hey why did you do this and I've had scenarios in my life where someone has said why did you assume this why did you just assume this was okay to do as if I didn't like put thought into what as if you what, defiantly like yeah did it on purpose is, or like I acted out of laziness yeah when for me I was like okay I'm going to make a confident judgment call because I am a grown woman who can choose to do something right now that and I'm gonna say it I mean I didn't feel like anything I ever did I mean I never made that huge of a decision on my own at work because I just haven't been in that role yet mm-hmm. but when I did those things and I was combated with someone telling me to my face like why why did you do that when it was very obvious they assumed I was doing it out of laziness or mm-hmm. spite or <laughs> or something well and basically the message is what were you thinking yeah and it's like that's rough without the openness mm-hmm. of actually wanting to hear why I did that yeah. rather than or just... the empathy of saying like hey I made the same mistake mm-hmm. or hey turns out we actually made this <laughs> like policy because it's really easy to make that mistake so like just a heads up next time well what's crazy with what i what the one i'm thinking about is is that the process that i did out of like this actually seems really right i'm going to do this and i did it and then someone questioned me about it and then didn't allow me an explanation as to why i did the thing Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it got added to our process because turns (laughs) out it was the right way (gasps) really yes oh gosh so Well, and (laughs) it's just allowing my point of talking about this is if what we're talking about today in vulnerability is something that you decide you want to put value on in your life, which I think everybody should because it's healthy, feels good, um, is that if you want those things to exist in the world, you need to cultivate that environment for everyone around you too, where... If someone is honest with you and they're like, listen, I made a mistake or I took a risk and did this process. Do you think it's okay? Rather than being like, well, why, why would you do that? Or that was like, I would have never done that. Why would you think that? And it's like, you also can't crawl into my brain and decide for Mm -hmm. me why I did something. But if we cultivate some, a type of environment where we say, Oh, that that's a I haven't seen anybody do it that process that way. That isn't in our instructions on how we do that. How about we evaluate this together and see what's the best mode of action and then we can both move forward or mm-hmm. whatever. Instead, it's just like a finger pointing match and then someone leaves feeling weird. <laughs> well, yeah, and one thing that is important like specific to work, like creativity is such an important aspect of 
improving business and the way things are done. And that's so important. And I think creativity is a big part of just an area that's hard to be vulnerable about too. Because I know for me, like if I'm going to speak up in a meeting and suggest something that we haven't done before that is different from what other people are suggesting, like I'm going to be a little nervous about Mm -hmm. it because – People might think, wow, you're an idiot or, oh, you don't have the context. You don't know what you're talking about. But it might be the best idea ever. (laughs) And so trying to balance that and not be too afraid to speak up is really important. Mm -hmm. And that actually reminds me, there is a list in here about um, just basically she asked people to define vulnerability and what it means to them. And so it was things like, sharing an unpopular opinion, standing up for myself, asking for help, saying no, starting my own business, helping my 37-year-old wife with stage 4 breast cancer make decisions about her will, initiating sex with my husband or wife, hearing how much my son wants to make first chair in orchestra and encouraging him while knowing that it's probably not going to happen, calling a friend whose child just died, signing my mom up for hospice care, the first date after my divorce, Saying I love you first and not knowing if I'm going to be loved back. Getting fired. Falling in love. Trying something new. Admitting I'm afraid. Getting pregnant after three miscarriages. Laying off employees. (sighs) And that's just like bits and pieces of the list. There is such a long list. And they all hit so hard because it's like, oh, whether you've experienced those things or not, you can't help but empathize with being in those situations and how you feel empathy for people and a lot of those things are out of their control anyway and being able to go through life and go through those things and especially knowing you're not alone in those types of things I think is so important yeah and I think there's a lot of reasons out there where we get trained that through the society we live in or the processes of the world or our government that what we see doesn't cultivate that environment from a large scale. For example, (laughs) the differences I've seen is like if a politician breaks the law or does something unethical but does not get reprimanded appropriately when someone who has less financial or political means as that person would like be put in jail for the rest of their life for being vulnerable or outing themselves or doing something bad where you wouldn't trust the systems in place to protect you from being vulnerable and your truest self and making decisions for yourself in the world. And unfortunately, I think privilege does have a tie. Oh, yeah. In this big time because, I don't know, it's it's easier to be vulnerable when... You know you have something to fall back on. Yeah. yeah. When you know it's not going to really mess up your life yep like speaking up at work and maybe saying something and then they decide you're stupid and then you think they'll fire you and then you'll (laughs) lose your house and then you'll be a homeless person and it's like Mm -hmm. all of those things like if you didn't have something to fall back on you speaking up or being vulnerable might feel less and less available to you yeah which is spooky stuff well and the higher you're in a position of power either your company or in society or whatever it may be, the less chance someone's going to be willing to reprimand you. Yeah. (laughs) So that alone opens up a lot of potential for things to not happen the way they should because no one's going to step in and correct that person. Mm -hmm. And something that I thought was really helpful that um, Brene talked about in her book is she said a quote that she keeps around in Sharpie on a sticky note on her desk says, worthiness is my birthright Hmm. so like she's basically saying and i think we all know this in our hearts but have a hard time remembering and keeping it present in our minds is like you are worthy of expressing yourself Mm -hmm. and of being vulnerable and trying new things and i think to me the most obvious sign of (laughs) showing your vulnerability is dancing Like, I feel like it's always so evident who can, like, (laughs) especially if there's no alcohol involved, like, how the heck you could be vulnerable and go shake that booty around. I mean, it has to do with body image and whatever, all these things that tie into it where 
Like, you are worthy of going onto that dance floor mm-hmm. and shaking your tush around if that's what the dance floor is for, you yeah. know? And so I think it's so evident in that. And it's so it's so hard to remember mm-hmm. that you are worthy of expressing yourself in those ways, especially yeah. if they're kind-hearted. And, like, if you yeah. have the backing knowing, like, what I'm doing is nice and pleasant and good and fun and well intended. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not received well because you're misconstrued on your perceptions of those topics, you can still explain why you did what you did and learn and grow from mm-hmm. it. And if you don't expose yourself to it, you'll never learn. And the, that's the whole point of vulnerability is yeah. trying and you either fail and grow or you succeed and find out who you truly are and what what is good in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's a really big deal. It is. Yeah. I think dancing is a really good example because it's <laughs> one of those where, like, I am very rarely brave enough to get out on the dance floor, yep. especially if I have no alcohol <laughs> in my system because it does take courage, liquid yeah. or otherwise, yep. to get out there, especially when, I mean – we are not people who have had formal dance training. No, we don't oh have no. dance moves in our back pocket to pull out. It might be like what dance, dance revolution, and like we dance <laughs> something our, like that. Our training. Yeah, and so I every time I get out there and dance, like I have fun, but I'm also very consciously aware of like I don't know what I'm doing. Yep, and I don't feel good about how this looks. <laughs> yeah. But when you just let it happen, it's so it's fun. fun. Yeah. Oh. And I think that's yeah. the purest the purest outward example that I can think of of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many roadblocks. And again, yeah. in Brunet's book, she has a really helpful list that can show some examples of those roadblocks. And uh, here's the list. A roadblock would be when I lose this weight. Like you mm. wouldn't do it until you lost weight. If I get accepted into the school. If my wife's not cheating. If we don't get divorced. If I get promoted, when I get pregnant, when he asks me out, when we buy a house in this neighborhood, if no one finds out. So like Mm. those sentences are determining factors on if you feel worthy of being vulnerable to do those things. And we're, we don't realize if we're setting ourselves those expectations, they could be roadblocks to being vulnerable and like taking those risks Mm -hmm. or like trying something new or whatever like I for example something I think of is like a lot of people follow like budgeting plans like very 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 strict ones yeah and they won't buy a house until they can afford the six hundred thousand dollar one with the jacuzzi and they're gonna save up a 50 percent down payment on it (laughs) because they don't believe in like debt or (laughs) or whatever and that could technically be they could be missing out on things in their life where if they would have accepted Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be buying a house perfectly based on whatever program they're in that they're still worthy of living in joy and Mm -hmm. and trying something new and learning from it like let's say you buy a house and you didn't have a 20 percent down payment does that mean you don't deserve it does that mean you're not worthy no it doesn't Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things that you have to practice and consider if I mean, if you have set up yourself some rules or goals or achievements that you want to reach before you do a certain thing, that's all great. But Mm -hmm. I hope, you know, we're not doing that so much to ourselves where it's causing us to not be vulnerable in our lives. I think that's very important because our shame does not define us and there is no right or wrong way to live your life. And if it makes you happy, you should do it. Mm -hmm. If not buying a house so you have money to travel the world in the meantime is what you want to do, do it. If you want to wait and have kids in your 30s so that you have time to move around and (laughs) take hitchhike the world, do it. Mm -hmm. Because no one else can define what success is in your life. Yep. And no one can take that joy or those memories away from you. And those have a higher value than other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And I think an important thing to remember is the need for resilience in life Mm -hmm. and to have the grit to keep going. And when you get knocked down, to do it again, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to emotional vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Like just speaking your mind or showing your true self to people. It's Mm -hmm. a big deal. It's something... 
I struggle with continually and and hope I can work on and yeah. continue to stay present with to mm-hmm. to grow because sure. it's so hard but and it it's not gonna go right every time but if you can be real with people I think that's so much more valuable than being careful yeah and it's hard especially like with us working in a corporate world like it's hard you feel like you need to say the right thing and yeah. like you can't be super open but like for example this week I had like a weird misunderstanding happen like two weeks ago now and I've been feeling weird about it ever since and I've just kind of been like wishing it would go away, (laughs) wishing it didn't happen, wishing I I didn't say the one thing that got me into the mess. But this week I was like, you know what, there's one person involved in this that I don't know how much they've been told and I don't know if the misunderstanding was ever clarified to them. And because we've been having these conversations and we've been – doing some research on vulnerability and what it means to us, I was like, you know what? Normally, I would just sit back and hope it all sorted itself out and feel really stupid about the whole thing and wait for it to go away and for me to not feel shame about it. Mm -hmm. But instead, I was like, you know what? No. I am going to meet with this person and be real with them. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I was nervous. I was shaking because I didn't know what this person was told. For all I knew, they were told that I was an idiot and that I said (laughs) bad things about him. Yeah. (laughs) And I I think that maybe it sounded stupid. Turns out the person didn't have like a whole lot of knowledge of the thing, which I I think is a good thing. But still, it was like, hey, I just want to meet with you and be super real with you because... There was a misunderstanding and it loosely involved you and I don't know if any of this was communicated to you, but I want to make sure more than anything that the clarification got to you and it was a tough conversation to have, but I'm so glad I did it because it was hard to do, but it at least put my intentions out there and it made sure that that person didn't feel, because if it was the worst option where they got in trouble because of something that happened that was a misunderstanding and no one clarified that it was a misunderstanding, that would have been way worse than me embarrassing myself (laughs) in a meeting, like in a quick, like, heart-to-heart chat. Yeah. And so things like that where it's like, man, it's hard to do and it's easier to just wait for it to go away. But addressing it head on with vulnerability is your cape. Exactly. (laughs) To do it. (laughs) Because I know I learned from that. And I'm going to remember next time, like, it's more important to be real with people and let them know you screwed up rather than let them think that they screwed up when, Mm -hmm. man, it's hard to be vulnerable at work. (laughs) Oh, I think something I was going to bring up is how. Something to keep in mind is that, for example, I feel like I'm super vulnerable in, like, my friendships and my relationship Mm -hmm. and even, like, in some cases more than I expect in my, like, family relationships and all those things and, like, in my actions. I feel like I'm a pretty moral person. But, like, as soon as I, like, walk in the doors of work, I'm like (laughs) – like it's like just I need gone. to be professional and yeah. look nice and sound. I am competent. corporate robot who wants to do everything you say <laughs> and not make any mistakes. That instantly happens. So yep. it's one of those things where we have to remember, like, if you are a good person and you trust yourself and like time and time again you've just been a good person with well intended actions, mm-hmm. I think we can all I mean, a lot of the time, I think something that I've learned from the book and just talking about vulnerability is, like, it's okay to say even to your boss, like, I feel really, like, uncomfortable about the situation or I was mm-hmm. scared to talk to you about this or I feel nervous and just, like, opening up by saying, like, this happened to me and it made me feel this way. Can we talk about why that may have happened and just, like, approach it in that way where all your cards on the table? I mean, yeah. To an extent, you got to protect yourself, but also it's good yeah. to put yourself out there. And if you're I mean, a nice person, it yeah, work out. You should always be professional and like you still got to do your job and that's the important part of having a job. But yep. I think it's important to be real with people and like a lot of things that are talked about in the corporate world, but maybe not always praised and actually rewarded are the need to admit when you don't know things like people always say like yeah just admit if you don't know or just ask questions if you don't know but it's a lot harder than it sounds oh and everybody like you can feel it too Mm -hmm. when people have that going on yeah like I've seen that 
from Ugh. all stretches of it's every rough. work title you could have. Yeah. It's crazy. And the other one is admitting to your mistakes and taking ownership Whoops. of them. Yeah. That's near impossible sometimes. It's so hard. Especially if you feel like it'd be really easy to just brush it under the rug and mm-hmm. nev- like no one has to know. That's really hard. And that to... can eat at your soul too. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the guilt of knowing that you're hiding something is toxic. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard to say like, hey, I made a mistake. It's important to say like, I did what I could to fix it, but there's still going to be that but yep. of like, I screwed up. And I think something that I've learned from this as well is I feel like it's easier to trust people or people to trust you if you choose to be vulnerable. Yeah. Because like you said, hiding a mistake, even if maybe you don't know someone made a mistake, maybe after you make a series of little mistakes at work or at home or in your relationships or whatever – you feel so buried by them that you would never Mm. talk about them at that point because it's opening the can of worms. And so I think if you actively see like people try to be vulnerable and expose themselves for a small mistake or something forgivable or whatever or not, that at least you're giving them credit for Mm -hmm. trying and like trying not to be so harsh with them so that they feel like that environment is okay and then it cultivates trust which is a huge part of a lot of relationships yeah and if you have like in those relationships you've experienced that people are gonna be real and upfront with you and have those tough conversations and admit to their mistakes you trust that they're gonna do that going forward you're not worried about what they're hiding Mm -hmm. or what they're not saying because when you're not vulnerable you're not actively lying but you might be hiding part of yourself Mm -hmm. and in certain relationships people can feel it they can feel it and that can be really really tough on your emotional connection and if that's like your spouse that's a big deal it is Mm -hmm. so we hope that you learned something with us and (laughs) i hope you're not excusing yourself to go to a bathroom and cry (laughs) like i did when i learned about vulnerability oh i've done that (laughs) yep but that would be a vulnerable thing to do so maybe you should (laughs) yeah no i have At work, uh, at one point I applied for a job and found out at work I didn't get it. And I excused myself to the bathroom to cry yeah. because I did feel shame, like I screwed up. Yep. So yep. hopefully that's not you. Yeah, hopefully uh, we but can just all know be you're not strong. Alone. <laughs> yes, you're not alone. That's how we're connecting. We're all being vulnerable. We all lose sometimes. We all fail sometimes. We all struggle. We all don't get jobs. We all have failed relationships or attempts at such. And they're nothing to get buried in. There is an escape route, and it is called vulnerability. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Always know you are not alone, and the important thing is to have those emotional connections and to just be resilient and keep trying because no one's perfect ever or all the time. So just know you are not alone in that. Be you. Be you. (laughs) Be you. Yes. Don't be afraid to be you. As always, we are not experts. We are fascinated. Um, You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have information to add to this week's topic, you can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.